0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. Today, I welcome my friend and one of my mentors, Mike Kim, to the podcast. Mike is the author of the new book, You Are the Brand, the eight-step blueprint to showcase your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. And I'm telling you, this is already a bestseller. Mike is a brand strategist for business thought leaders, coaches, and authors who want to create an impact with the ideas and get their message heard. Mike's refreshing approach has made him a sought-after speaker, online educator, and consultant for top thought leaders like John Maxwell, Donald Miller, Dr. Amen in the Amen Clinic. Mike has been featured in and written for Inc., entrepreneur, The Huffington Post, and he's also the host of the top rated podcast, The Brand You Podcast. My three biggest takeaways from this episode are the difference between a how-to-preneur and an ideapreneur, and I am an ideapreneur. The three stories every personal brand needs to tell and how to tell them. This is big. And I can drink wine at Mike's Campfire all while learning the simple nine box grid that shows you how to price your products and services. And oh my God, it's huge. So today we are thinking big on branding you. the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Kim to the podcast. And I'm telling you, if you're driving the car right now, you need to buckle up. You need to keep your hands in the car because Mike's about ready to lay down some extremely valuable knowledge for your uh, for your business. How are you doing today, Mike?
1: I am doing great, Sean. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. And to those listening, thank you for tuning in. I hope to add some value
0: to you today. Yeah. And so, just to give a little background i met you god it's almost coming up on three years now it's it's hard to believe that was probably one of the best workshops that i've been to and there's those few times in you know that you're out and about you're at uh, different uh seminars and, and workshops and stuff and you meet people and you immediately know that okay there's something with the vibration of this person there's something about the energy and i knew right then it's like okay mike is someone that i want to know someone i want to follow he has information that uh, that I desperately need. And you have such a great way of teaching it and such a great way of laying it out to people so it's easy to understand, it's easy to implement. And one of the reasons we're doing this, uh, having you on the podcast again, is you are just introducing your book. Uh, you are the brand. And people listening, I'm telling you, this isn't one of those foo-foo bullshit books that people put out. You know, there's there's a ton of people who put out a book it's bullshit. They want to become an author, <clears throat> you know. They want to have their name out as an author. This is not one of those books. And <laughs> thank
1: you.
0: Yeah, this is this is actually, absolutely not not one of those uh, BS books. And here's the thing: I know people many people who have paid hundreds thousands of dollars for the same information that's in this book so by getting this book oh my god there's so much information in this book and it's being released right as you know as we're about ready to do this podcast but I was you know privileged enough to at least get a pre-read of some of your uh, some of your chapters and this stuff is it's absolutely gold so congratulations on finally getting a uh, uh, getting the book out now we've been yeah, I've seen the process of you going through this uh, this whole process of creating the book and the stress and uh, it's just such a joy to see it finally uh, birthed into into reality
1: well thank you for the kind words uh, yeah it, it, it's it, it has been a journey you talk about thinking big right and I uh, At first, I tried the whole visualization thing. I see it in my hands, you know? And then I was like, this is too far away. This is too much work. I just went day by day, put one foot in front of the other. And um, yeah, finally, the the book got done. And then um, the work wasn't done because then I had to market the book and I had to like tell everybody about it. Um, But it has been a labor of love in a lot of ways. It's been a lot of labor, uh, for sure. Um but thank you for those kind of words Sean because I really wanted the book to be the book that I never had. Right. You know when I started out I was I went through two major career pivots within a within just a about 4 years. Um early on my life was spent uh in in ministry actually believe it or not I was the music director for a large church and um then my career sh- sort of shifted gears and I can get into that if you'd like but um uh then I turned to books when I was kind of in that transition phase, right? And I was looking for books that could help me reinvent myself. And I was a little bit frustrated because there were a lot of self-help books and there were some career books. But I didn't want just another job. I wanted something that could help me bridge the gap to build a business around my own ideas as a creator, as a speaker, as an expert. Uh, even though I didn't know what I had expertise in, right? right. Um, but now looking back, this is the book that I wish I had because it's not about just building an image or a look. It's really about building a business around your ideas and helping you showcase your unique expertise. And I teach an eight-step framework in it that helps you build a business around it. So um, this has been forged in you know years and years of work now, eight, 8 years or so I've been serving clients and learning these things for my own business and and applying them to other pe- folks and I can honestly say everything in it is something that has worked you know for and me and other people.
0: Yeah, so this isn't stuff that you just write about. This is stuff that you live and you have taught literally for the last, you know, 8 years. And you know, going into, you know, some of the personal development stuff, you know, one of the big quotes that everyone hears is, you know, you become the average of, you know, the five most people that you hang out with uh, Jim Rohn. And one of the things that really stuck out when I started to get to know you and started to hang out with you, and, and is how important relationships are to building, building what we want to do. You know how how hanging around with influential people and hanging around with these people that we want to be, how important that is. Can you explain a little bit on on relationships? Because I'm telling you, you 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 are the best person I know on on building relationships.
1: Well, thank you. I I believe relationships are rocket ships. You know, that's the bottom line. And um, when I was in my early 20s, when I was working, you know, in in various church roles, um, man, I must have been like 22 at the time. And this guy came in to speak at our church, and I was tasked with hosting him. And this was a weird dude—not weird, but like very different than than the folks that you know uh, you typically run into. I had to pick him up from the airport, drive him to the hotel, drive him to the meals—you know, basically be his gopher—you know, the whole time he was in town. And he had this powerful presence about him, Sean. And, and no wonder—he was the king of one of the tribes in eastern Ghana in Africa. And so I had these conversations with this guy in the car, in the hallways, during meals. These were more valuable than anything I heard him do or speak, right? And this one time I was in the car with him and he took an important phone call from somebody at the United Nations, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm overhearing how he's talking to these guys. And, um, you know, one day he finished the call and, you know, and he goes to me, you know, in his deep Ghanaian accent, he's like, son, you're talented, but you must understand life is 10% what you know and 90% who you know. And I was like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) I was young, right? I had my entire future ahead of me. And I was like, whatever, I thought talent was enough. And as the years passed, I slowly started to realize that he was absolutely 100% right. And when I started out in this space, going to Barnes and Noble, looking for these books, trying to claw my way to creating a new life, I didn't know anyone in this space. The people who I did know, you mentioned the five people you spend the most time with, were my boss, my boss's husband, um, my two dogs, and my wife at the time, right? And last (laughs) time I checked, none of them had built a business like the one that I was trying to build. So I really felt alone, and I tried to connect, quote unquote, with people through books. There were some good titles that I read, Nothing that really hit the nail on the head, but I started to put myself out there, take some people's programs, go to workshops, um, and really connect, and that's really how I built these relationships over the years. Um, I'm happy to dive into that a little bit more, but um, it was really, really important for me to find people who had done what I wanted to do and were doing what I wanted to do and
0: be around them. Right. Right. Yeah. And for me and anything that I've wanted to do in the past, it's, you know, that the question is, how do you start hanging out with the people that uh, that will help influence you know what you do? They become your average again. So how do you get by people? And for me, there's been things it's to me once I made the decision to do something, you know, as an example, the Ironman, I didn't know how to run. I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know how to bike. I didn't know anybody. But within six months of making that decision. And starting to go to these events, all of a sudden, my tribe—the people who are around me, the five most people that uh, I hung out with—were all triathletes. And mm-hmm. it's like until I made the decision to that—that's what I want. Those people were never going to be in my life. They were—they surely were not part of my tribe to begin with. So it's mm-hmm. like we make these decisions, and then you know, y- you go after that decision, and then you start—you start getting those tribe. But those, the people that you do hang out with absolutely make a, a huge, huge difference. Uh, One of the problems that, that I have is, you know, you, you, you hear people and you hear books saying, you know, you, you've got to go find your customer avatar, your customer avatar. You got to go find this person. You got to, you know, describe who this is, you know, what they do, but being around you, it's not necessarily knowing your customer avatar. You actually become, you know, the person that you're trying to sell to. And, And how do you do that? Can you explain what that process is of, of, really becoming uh, the person that you're that you're trying to sell to the person your tribe really
1: yeah you know it's funny because um, when I when I talk about personal branding right uh, this phrase that's now thrown around all the time and when I started out years and years ago people are like no no one knows what a personal brand is you know you should you should focus more on something more niched and um, this idea that we're branding ourselves feels very new it's not. This idea of branding has been around forever. Um, I remember the first time I ever used the internet. I don't know if you remember when you first used the internet, Sean, but I was in high school during those early days. And you know, America Online, right, and Netscape—like oh, yeah. these, these were all the rage, right? And when I was in high school. America Online, AOL, came out with this instant messenger app called AIM, right? AOL Instant Messenger. And yep. it's basically like Facebook chat or Instagram chat these days. But back then, we didn't have social media. This thing was all the rage, right? So all my friends are on it, and I'm like, oh, I have to join it, because that's apparently where the party was. So I grab one of those you know, those CDs in the mail that you used to set, send out, and you get like eight hours of like online time. You plug in the phone jack, right? And uh, I was all all excited to start this account and show up online, and I was frozen in my tracks because they asked me what I wanted my screen name to be, <laughs> right? And I was just totally paralyzed. Right? I was like, "Oh man, I must have stared at that thing for a half hour." And I was like, "I've got to sound cool. I've got to <laughs> have a good name, right? I've got to be witty. Like I was. I had to impress all my friends. Like I had to come up with some cool names so all the girls would like me, right? And." So I had this idea. I was like, okay, I got it. I got this name. It's going to be manly. It's going to sound tough. It's going to be kind of like a play on my name. Everyone's going to think it's really smart. So my username for AIM was, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. It was (laughs) (laughs) And It was M-I-K-O-V-I-T-C-H, right? And yeah, you're laughing, right? And dude, things <laughs> did not work out the way I thought. Totally backfired. My friends thought I was trying to sound like some Russian guy, right? <laughs> and they started calling, greetings, comrade Mikevich, right? you freaking idiots, right? And uh, the final moment of humiliation was when this girl I really liked uh, she's, she walked up to me, and she's like, hey, uh, I have an even better screen name for you. I was like, what is that? She's like, Michael Bitch. And I was like, <laughs> and I, was, I was devastated, right? I was like, damn, man, that, that really happened. I still remember. I still, I still know her name. Okay, whatever. I'm a grown man now. She's probably miserable. No, I'm just kidding, right? But my point is, for as long as the internet's been around, for as long as resumes have been around, as long as job interviews have been around, uh, we have been obsessed with looking good online, on paper, on paper, on a resume—you name it—we want people to like us. We want it to come across well. We want, in marketing terms, uh, to build a brand, right? And yeah. what is a brand? It's simply an identity. So when we talk about personal branding, um, it's a public-facing identity that is a composite of your ideas, your expertise, your personality, and your reputation. It's all those things. And in some instances, even your appearance, right? Right. But you ask, you know, how does this play into becoming the person that you want to be, or you want to sell to people? Um, I see the personal brand space play out in one of two ways most of the time, and neither of these are right. But let me, let me give you both, and let me present what I do think makes sense. Um, We have one hand, on one hand, a group of people who are trying to sell a false version of themselves. These are the people who go out and rent an Airbnb, hire a camera crew and pretend like it's their house, right? You know, do a photo shoot or something. And these folks do not realize that attention is earned. It's not owed to you. You have to truly be who you say you are. You have to earn it, right? Yeah, and then on the flip side, you see people who overshare everything in the name of authenticity, right? You mentioned doing triathletes, uh, working with triathletes, and hanging out with them, and you know some people like they they get injured and they get this huge gash on their knee or something, and take a picture and put it on Facebook. You know nobody wants to see that, right? it's It's a it's a it's a you know it's a it's a jarring image and symbolically a lot of people do that and try to build a brand that way they try to sell their struggles and it right. doesn't work it's like seeing a gash on your facebook feed pop up or a car accident you get some attention but it's very short lived and oftentimes people just block you right these are where you're oversharing things you're you're talking about you know, your ex in a really bad way. You're talking about the details of your divorce. You're talking about the details of all, like the gory details, right? And my proposition is that if you're going to build a personal brand, become who you are trying to sell to people. And this is a question that I, I tell my clients to that can maybe serve as a guiding principle. Can you build a campfire around what you're sharing? And what I mean by that is—is is there warmth? Is there—is it an inviting, you know, environment? Um, can you can? What happens at campfires? St- people share stories. Can you build a community around it, right? So that's really how I look at building a personal brand, right? Uh, is it attractive? Are you becoming someone that people a want to hang around with? And share stories with. They want to come to your party, and B, are you becoming someone that they want to invite to their party, to their community, to their stage, to their boardroom? So that's the that that's really how I look at it. Become the person that you're trying to sell to people.
0: Now, let me ask this: Can I have wine at my campfire?
1: Yeah, I've got to have absolutely. wine. At the, okay, okay. Yeah, as long yeah, as I can absolutely. have wine at
0: the campfire, I'm golden. I'm good. Now, so part of, what, part of what I teach and part of what uh, I, tr- I honestly believe in my heart is every single person in this world has a genius, you know, their genius uh, that's inside them, their purpose, their, their gifts. I truly believe every single person has that. And one of the problems that I have even working with clients is, you know, how can we figure out? you know, what our, you know, skills are, what, what is our genius? Do you have a way to figure out? I, I, you know, it take it took me a long time to figure out any of the things that I was, you know, truly skilled at and, and what my, you know, I call it my genius, but, you know, whatever you're, you're very good at, how do you, how do you look at that? And how do you try, like with your clients within the book, you know, how do you try pulling out what someone's, skill is, what their genius is.
1: Well, one of the most clarifying exercises I did early on was to take an inventory of what I did at work. So I had three major jobs after college. Um, The first job was as a teacher at an after-school academy prepping high school students for their college entrance exams, like their SATs, ACTs, so I taught there. Uh, then I was the music director of the church that I had mentioned, right? I had done that for about four years. And then I became the chief marketing officer of a company, right? Just outside of New York City. So those, those are three very distinct jobs, right? And when I was looking to pivot Sean into like this new world, I was right where everyone else, you know, was. I, I was like, what am I good at? And I was kind of frustrated. So one day I just decided to jot down everything I did in these jobs. Not just what was on the job description, but what I really did, right? So I might write down, you know, I taught high school students, and uh, I built curriculums, you know, for those programs. And at the church job, I wrote songs and I led. Uh, and recruited volunteers. And I marketed the albums that we recorded and I hosted conferences for the church. And as the chief marketing officer of the company, um, I had to create campaigns and I had to lead meetings and I had to like honestly talk my boss off a cliff a couple of times, right? And it's not just what's on the job description, It's sort of what I shared a few minutes ago, picking people up from the airport, hosting them having these really high-level conversations off the record with people, learning how to move in those environments. And then it hit me. All I had to do was cross out the end of each of those sentences, (laughs) right? So instead of, I taught high school students, I taught. And instead of, I spoke at church, I spoke. And instead of, I wrote songs, I wrote. And instead of, I led meetings for music team volunteers, I led meetings, And I started to look at that list and it just stared back at me from the notepad and I started to see myself in a different light and more accurately, you could probably say I saw myself for the first time because so much of the time, to your point, we don't see it because all we do see is the job description or all we see is the organization or company that we're working for. We don't realize that we have an incredible amount of soft skills, that have made us successful at work. I knew how to dress. I knew how to present myself as a leader in the company. There were mindset shifts I had to make when I was talking to these higher level leaders in the company or in in, in hosting people, hosting a guy who, a king of Ghana. Like, dude, I couldn't show up in shorts and a t-shirt, right? Like I just, those are things that I intuitively learned. And so then these things became sort of a mantra you know, for self-talk and, and, and affirmations for myself, right? And I'd say, like, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer, I'm a teacher, I'm a leader, and it was really, really powerful because I think reinventing yourself is just about is, is just as much about changing the story you tell yourself as what you tell the world. So I'm sure that you went through something like that where you were like, you know what? I I led companies, I shifted my mindset. You were on my pad, podcast talking about that. You, those were, those were skills that aren't taught to you at any company. You had to learn them. And in doing that, you figure out a process on how you made it work for you. And then you can you know, share that with other people.
0: Do you think there is a big difference between something that you're passionate about and something that you're good at, uh, that can, you can turn into, you know, you can turn into a business. Cause there's things that I'm absolutely passionate about, but I'm not very good at it. I'm, I'm passionate. Mm. So what I'm, you know, I'm trying to merge what I'm passionate about and also what I'm good about to become, you know, do so. so and that's something that, that you helped me through, you know, obviously to, to come to that point. But I thought that was, the, to me, that was one of the hardest things to really do was really get crystal clear on who I was going to help, what I was going to do. Cause again, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about Mindset and, and all this other stuff, but no one buys mindset. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. one of those things that people just don't buy mindset. Uh, I'm, I've been in technology for years, so how can I combine how can I combine what I'm good at and then what I'm passionate about? Maybe you know teaching people mindset in technology. So yeah, I, I think that's a whole big thing that you know that you really go through in really branding yourself. I mean, you've got to be clear on, on what you want to do. And that, to me, again, that was one of the hardest things that I ever did was trying to get crystal, crystal clear on who I was going to help. And, you know, so how do you help brands, you know, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs find the clarity? Cause you helped me go through it. So, so what are the processes that you do to help people find clarity in what they want to do, their messaging, uh, the words they say, the things they do, because uh, again, you you talked about it. You know, you can rent a you know you can rent a mansion and pretend it's yours, but if it's not you, that messaging is going to absolutely fall flat on its face.
1: Yeah, the where I really start step one is formulating a point of view, and that may sound a little odd when it's like talking about starting a business or helping people get started. Here's the thing, Sean. So much of, a, so many of us have our own opinions beaten out of us by the system, that it, like we have to exercise and reactivate that muscle. When I right. work in this space, the folks who struggle the most come from highly regulated industries and backgrounds. People who have been in education or the military or law or healthcare, um, you know, education, I think I said that already. But anytime you step out of bounds in those industries, you get your wrist slapped, right? Compliance, right? That's what it's all about. And even if you're a mid management level guy at a company, gal at a company, right? There are certain things you have to toe the company line. So when you start to say, I want to build a business around my own ideas and my expertise, it's a stretch to even have your own ideas. There are a lot of people who don't even know what they think about the world. So no wonder, as to your point, it's so difficult to find out how you help people. You don't even know what you believe yet. You don't really know what you want to say yet you're not even sure how you view the world yet, right? So early on, I ask people these three questions. What pisses you off? What breaks your heart? And what's the big problem you're trying to solve? And that will evolve over time, but wherever you are, even right now listening to this, chew on the answers to those questions. And you might say, well, in what context? Just anything, just have an opinion, because you're not gonna last long in this industry sharing your ideas and ex- as an expert if you don't really believe them. Right? Yeah. So, you know, what pisses you off? That is the injustice that you see in the world. What breaks your heart? That's the compassion you have for people. And what's the big problem you trying you're trying to solve? That is your business. Business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. Right? So, early on like Dude, I'll be honest. What pissed me off was just going to work every day for a company I didn't really enjoy working with. Right, That was it. And I just had to be honest. That's all that drove me at that point. And eventually, eventually, um, I got to a point where it just ticked me off so much I decided to do something about it. My story really started Thanksgiving 2013. And I share this all the time because I was working as the CMO for this company. I was putting in probably 60 hours a week and they called me after i was with my family on thanksgiving um, and they said you know we need you to come into work tomorrow on black friday we're not like a big box store we don't no one's doing black friday sales it ticked me off so bad cuz the previous night i stayed up with my mom to like 1 or 2 in the morning drinking wine and she's telling me all these incredible stories about my childhood that i i didn't i, I was afraid i'd never have this moment with her again and then i had to leave her at my house and go to work like just, it drove me bonkers, right? And that's when I started to realize I hate the idea that people, myself included, are told what days we're allowed to spend with our families, how much we're allowed to, time we're allowed to spend with our families, and eventually how much money we're allowed to make. I really started to, to hate that. It, it started to bug me. So that drove me towards what breaks my heart, and once my eyes were open, I was like, you know what? There are a lot of really sad people around me. <laughs> like my coworkers, they're miserable. They're like this way smarter than I am. They're miserable. They hate their lives, and they go back home every day, going back to their families, and and they're not showing up at a hundred percent. They're not passionate about life. They're like the Walking Dead, those zombies. And that <laughs> yeah. was really sad to me. Even though I didn't have the solution yet, it broke my heart to see fellow human beings living like that. So the big problem I decided to solve was take everything I knew about marketing, take everything I knew about performance, take everything I'd learned on that list of things that I crossed out, you know, my uh, uh, from my job titles and say I'm going to help the small sl- sliver of the population that wants to market themselves as a personal brand because that's what I'm doing. And I I stopped seeing myself, Sean, as a marketing consultant and brand strategist, even though that's what people call me. I'm basically a life coach in disguise as a marketing strategist and a brand strategist and all those things. And when I tell those stories, that's what connects with people. It's not just my frameworks or my, my marketing know-how. It's they believe the core of who I am. Because I really think the world is a better place when we are giving our fullest gifts to the world. My expertise just happens to be in marketing, and and that's what drives me.
0: Yeah, and I think so. You you, you know you touched on it a little bit, but uh, you know people don't necessarily think that when you were talking, it made me think about what's that one quote that you know ninety five percent of people don't want to think. Three percent think they think, and <laughs> there's only two percent yeah. that actually that are actually thinking. And you know that remind me. Of, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, who this book is for, but I, and I know this is kind of outside of uh, what you were intending for this book. But I think no matter what we do in life, we're branding ourselves. I remember when I was in corporate, you know, corporate America, I don't care if you're in a, a position or not, you're branding yourself against or with other people in a, in a company. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you're doing. You're always, to me, no matter where you are, no matter what company you're with, whether you're doing it yourself. You are your brand, and how you show up is going to dictate, you know, how far you go, how well you do, whether it's in a business, in your own company. So, I, to me, I think our own personal branding is probably one of the most uh, needed skills that we can do. Because, again, I don't care what what you're in. Uh, you, you, if you're a mom, you're still branding yourself as a mom. You're still you're showing up to your kids in a certain way. And how you show up is going to be, so again, I, I think you can take this book any way, but who, who are your biggest, who, are the, who is the biggest group of people that you are trying to reach uh, specifically for, uh, for this book? Is it entrepreneurs? Is It,
1: it, it would be um, people who are kind of at that startup stage of starting an expert-based business or people who have clients. I call it the ramp-up stage. They have clients, but the cash flow isn't consistent they're not getting regular clients. They're struggling to get their business really really dialed in. And these are two really different stages, Sean. You know, stage 1 as a startup is what you and I've been mostly talking about today. Right. Validating your ideas, discovering who you are, exercising that atrophied muscle of self-expression, right? That's been beaten out of us from years of school and corporate, right? And and then you have stage 2 the ramp up people, they have some clients, maybe on the side even, maybe they're not quite full-time or maybe they are, they're just, they're just not really con- creating consistent revenue for their business. And that's usually a marketing and a messaging problem. And so I'm really situated in helping people in those two stages, uh, in, in starting an expert-based business. Try to help them understand the process of creating a compelling personal brand to again build your business around, not just an image, an actual business. And then share with people how the this real the real world of of marketing works, like this weird world of personal branding really works. And I have many examples in the book of folks that many readers would probably know of and how they built their personal brand business in such different ways. I touch on Brene Brown, who's a famous lecturer and author now, and how she built her personal brand business kind of by accident. Yeah. You know, and then I talk about um, Marie Kondo, who's this little Japanese lady that specializes in cleaning and teaching people how to to you know clean their homes and live a simple lifestyle, and how she built her brand. And then we have Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk, and of course, one of my favorites in the world, The Rock, Professional wrestler. I have all these people's stories in the book. And what I want everyone to understand is that no matter how good you are, how experienced you are, uh, we all start from zero. You can't go out and buy a personal brand. I can't go out and buy the influence of The Rock. Even though I gain his social media following, even though I get his intellectual property, I'm not him. Right. So, Everyone starts from zero. Every guru we follow was a beginner at some point. And that's what I really, really want people to understand. The folks we follow online have an identity. Uh, they have this quote-unquote brand, and it's built intentionally. Once they get serious about it, just like you got serious about you know, doing your tr- like triathlete training and all that kind of stuff, once you get intentional about it, you really start to make headway. And that's really what the book is about.
0: And so I, so I look at us as two completely different types of, of people, types of brands. You know, I, and, and you, I know you talk about this in the book and what I want to bring up, but I find myself more as an idea person. So I, I like to come up with ideas. I like to come up with, you know, thinking things. And, you know, you are more of a how-to Everything I, to me, you're the king of frameworks that, I mean, you, you build these things, these frameworks, these steps, these things on how to actually, how to do A and B. Can you brand on, on both those things? Cause again, I, I think I, am an idea person. You're, you're to me, at least a how to person. How, how do you see from a branding standpoint? How do you see the difference between, cause those are two distinct different types of skills.
1: Yeah. So it's funny because um, the one thing that will never, never go out of style is publishing, right? Content, sharing ideas. Uh, for me right now, I've been a how topreneur most of my life. I teach people how to market themselves. I teach a framework that has eight steps, which is in a book that reads like a blueprint. I mean, there's stories in it, but I tell people, this is a blueprint. I want you to come back to this book over and over again as you build your business, because you're not gonna do it overnight. What is a blueprint? A blueprint is a roadmap. You keep the blueprint in front of you while you're building the building. You don't just look at it once and toss it aside, right? But in the coming years, I could easily shift to raising awareness about different things, or how big ideas are created, or, what I want to say philosophically to the world: a how-topreneur teaches you how to do something or does it for you. An ideapreneur is really trying to share an idea or a perspective and bring awareness to it. Oftentimes, they're not even trying to solve a problem. For example, I mentioned Brene Brown, and this is the section that she's featured in in the book. As far as I've I've, I've seen. Brene Brown doesn't have a 10-step program on how to overcome shame in your life. She speaks eloquently about shame and vulnerability, but it's not a step one, admit that you have shame. Step two, you know, uh, discover who makes you feel shame. She's not a therapist. She's not a counselor. She's bringing, she's using her brilliance to bring awareness to this topic of shame and vulnerability. And she's espousing that we just think about it and that we just have some awareness around it. And we take the steps that we need to take in our own life to address it. It's very different. It's There's a nuance. It sounds similar, but it's different, right? Because at the end of the day, I can't walk away with a deliverable necessarily in my hands, for right. her, right? Yeah. Um, so you can do both, and I've seen people pivot one way or the other. Um, a great example of this would be Ryan Holiday, who is an American author, young guy, wrote a ton of marketing books early on in his career. Was really ensconced in, you know, the world of internet media, like these big sites, Gawker, and all these, and and he just he, he just wrote books on, and he's like, yeah, this is a slimy industry, and he wrote some marketing books became well-known in that industry, and then pivoted into writing books about stoicism. And he's written all these books, you know, The Obstacle is the Way, and (laughs) all these other books, The Ego is the Enemy, and he's pivoted into an ideapreneur in many ways. So, he was able to carry his following into these new ventures. Um, And we talked about how people like him can do that. In, in the book, You Are The Brand. The bottom line is people follow Ryan because it's Ryan. right? He is the brand. You are the brand. I am the my own brand. So if I connect with people over the marketing work I'm doing right now and I pivot into something else later, a certain per- percentage of them will follow me because they really like me. They really resonate with me. They want to go on this journey with me.
0: There's one question that I absolutely want to ask because it's one of the ones that I get asked almost every time when I'm working with someone and it's something that you run into and it's, so we're trying to teach how to brand people, how to run their own thing. And they're going to kind of do their, their, their own, you know, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, but they're going to start doing their own thing. One of the biggest problems that I have and literally almost everybody I talk to has is how do you price your stuff? Cause here's the thing you go out and you look at, for instance, your book. What's it? $20. How can I compete with stuff that I'm trying to sell when you've got something that's eight years in the making and, and, you know, it's $20, you know? So from a pricing standpoint, you know, I've got a lot of people listening that are, you know, new in their entrepreneur, perfect, you know, for this book. What is a strategy for pricing what we do, pricing what we sell, you know, pricing the, the solution to a problem for our, you know our tribe our people
1: yeah the the first place i would start with understanding price is to realize that price is not the same as value right there are a lot of things that are very expensive and not very valuable and (laughs) then there are other things that are very valuable and not don't cost a lot of money uh for example if if you know if i've got a hangnail or something i mean i two two dollars for a nail clipper but that thing's very valuable right there right um but When we really think about pricing, what I advocate for, Sean, is that people start with themselves. So much of the time that we do what you just mentioned, we look at how someone else is pricing something and we allow the market to dictate what our prices are and what our fees are. Now, there are some things that are industry standard, like no one's gonna buy a, a $400 book, right? It's the modality that determines the price in that scenario. But let's first start with hourly rates, right? And a lot of folks ask, how do I know what to charge hourly? So I have this little principle and I call it the traffic from hell (laughs) hourly price, right? And so imagine I call you and I say, hey, I have some cash to give to you. The only catch is you have to drive through 30 minutes of the worst traffic from hell you could ever experience to come pick it up And drive thirty minutes back. Now, I grew up in New Jersey, just outside of New York City. I spent a lot of time in New York City, um, going in and out the George Washington Bridge, the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln Tunnel. This is just not—it's not just the way to get into and out of New York. It's where like hopes and dreams go to die, right? (laughs) This is just awful, awful traffic, right? So, if you had to sit through that and then drive back, how much money would I have to hand over to you? $100, $50, $500, $1,000, $100, you know, $50, $500, $1,000, this has always helped me start in terms of like setting a ballpark idea of what I would want to charge for my hourly rates, right? And uh, at this point in my career, I, I, there's only one thing I do hourly, which is a one-on-one call. Now, when I first started out, I charged like $200 for it and then $500, and then that traffic from hell, hourly price as my business crew was like $1,300. Now it's $2,500. And you might be incredulous at the idea of paying that much money to talk to me for an hour, but again, price is not the same as value. Yeah, It means that you don't think that a call with me would be that valuable, but for other people, it really is, because there's a lot I can get done with people in an hour. Yeah, I've actually had people who had a bonus hour call with me because they bought a program and never do the call. They're like, "Oh, I don't need it. It's okay." All right. No worries. No 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 skin off my back, right? Yeah. So you start there. And then you have sort of a ballpark idea of what you would charge with other projects. So one of the things that I do when pricing a project, which is very subjective, is I draw a nine box grid and we actually have this graphic inside of the book. Um, And on one side I put like the level of service, you know, good, better, best, right? And then the fees, you know, the least amount I would do it for, the regular amount I would do it for, and a windfall amount, right? And. By good, better, best service, I don't mean like, you know, I'm not gonna work that hard. I mean like standard level service, silver and then gold, right, like how much I'm involved, right? Right. So the least amount of money is the lowest amount of money I would do the project for. The regular amount is what I feel comfortable with. How do I figure out what these numbers are? I start with my traffic from hell hourly price. And I estimate, okay, this project could take a hundred hours to do. Now, if I charge at $2,500 an hour for 100 hours, that's a lot of money. So um, I'm probably not going to quote you know a company at a quarter million dollars unless it's a big company, right? A really big company and the value would be worth it to them. But I at least, Sean, have a ballpark idea. So I might say, okay, wow, 100 hours, this is going to be a lot of work. I would do this for $100,000, but at least I have a ballpark idea because I have this traffic from hell hourly price. A windfall amount of money is something that you'd be extremely happy with. Maybe that is the $250,000, right? And here's the thing, if you don't set a a, a windfall amount, you will never earn a windfall amount. And when you fill in these boxes, You will start to realize the discrepancies in the way that you price your fees, right? You'll be like, wow, I'm charging the least amount of money for the highest level of service, and I don't even like this client.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, that that grid alone- yeah, that yeah. grid alone is worth the price of the book. I'm it really you.
1: is. You will make a lot of money if you follow this. A lot more money if you follow this. It is definitely. I've told people that this is worth the book alone. It's worth the yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah, because I do this with every project, and you don't. Re- and the reason I start with start with the least is that's how we think. Most people, this is how we think. Like, all right, well, I don't want to charge too much, so I don't get the gig. I don't want to price myself out of it. And then what you do is you overcompensate and you charge the least amount of money, and then you realize, wow, I'm charging the I'm charging them uh, the least amount of money for the best level of service. This is not good. Yeah, you can't make a living. Can't make a living. And then when you present the proposal, you can give them three different options. You can say, here's my standard level of involvement. Here's my um, you know better level of involvement and here's like you know I, I pulling out all the stops level of involvement and you can present to them based on the least regular windfall or pick whatever numbers you want but that alone will help you price a lot of your projects
0: yeah and for those that are actually watching on on uh, youtube and stuff you can see right behind mike is the the book itself you are the brand and i'm telling you it is an eight step blueprint yeah it, it, I can't wait to get, so I pre-ordered mine on Amazon, but now you've got your, uh, you are, a, you are the brand book.com yep, and sure. now you can just go there and, and pre-order when is, so I'm hoping that this will be out right when the, right when the uh, book is published. So if you're listening to this, go to you are the brand order the book. I'm, t- I, I, personally will promise you that it'll be the best $18 that you have ever spent because I've been through most of this stuff. And let me just say, I paid a lot more than $18 for a lot of this information. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and and to me, it it just blows my mind that people sometimes don't go to books and learn these things uh, because I can spend $18 with you and literally get eight years compressed into weeks, into months. And it's just... It's a no-brainer to go get uh, resources like this. It's the only way we can – to me, it's the only way we can be proficient in learning because, again, I could probably learn all this stuff on my own, uh, but it's going to take me 20 years and a lot of pain. Uh, Why not give you $18 and (laughs) – And we have a bunch of bonuses
1: with the book. Yeah, we have a bunch of bonuses. Um, For those who want a course and more coaching, we offer that. Because, yeah, to your point, Sean, Like, there's there's different ways that people learn. And I'm just really focused on creating a lot of pathways for people to learn and implement um, the stuff inside here. But the core of it is right here inside of the book. Yeah. And um, I just really want to see people happy um, doing work that they love and actually believe in. And the world is a better place when we have more people doing that. And that's really what this is all about. So thank yeah. you for allowing me to share a little bit with your audience oh. and on your platform.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for being on here. And again, everybody's going to be doing their own brand. I, I truly believe that in the, in the next five years, every household is going to have a side business uh it's just the way we're going. So learn how to do what, you know, learn how to do it. Right. You know, that's the thing you can, again, you can spend all this time, learn how to do it. Right. So again, I want to thank Micah bitch (laughs) (laughs) to the point. Now you know that in every situation now that's going (laughs) to be,
1: it's in the book. And so it's in the book. And so at my own expense, (laughs) um, I'm creating this connection with people and that's, you know, this just, telling stories and being relatable to people. And that's, that's really how I try to do it. So yeah, oh. more than happy well, to.
0: <laughs> again, thank you so much for adding so much value and I cannot wait to get the book and go through it. Uh, and again, once this comes out, people go to that, uh, youarethebrandbook.com, order the book and, and learn. Uh, but it, it, I'm telling you, this is like a gateway drug. So once you get, <laughs> once you kind of get in, you're, you're you don't get out. You you just keep going. So again, thank yeah. you, Mike. Uh, thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next couple next, uh, next couple months.
1: Yeah, we'll see each other soon. Thank you, Sean.
0: Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening today, and it was so nice to have Mike Kim on the show. Please visit him at youarethebrandbook.com or on his website at mikekim.com. Uh, there's also links to how you could reach Mike on every platform uh, within the show notes. And if you enjoyed listening today, uh, please take a second to rate and review the show on iTunes. Every podcaster will tell you that iTunes reviews drives listeners to our shows. And make sure you subscribe using your favorite podcast player. It means so much to me and the guests. And until next week, always remember to think big.